This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Gelsman gets there. Another good kick from him and here's Hartman now. Hartman going past one man, finding Wagstaff. Wagstaff turning well, setting up Chilton. Welcome to the latest episode of the To Hull and Back podcast. It is just myself, Joe Appleyard, and Ant Norgraves today. And it's really good to speak to you, buddy. I've, I haven't been on for a few weeks. I've been on my stag, though I'm finally recovering from Prague. So it's nice to be back on. Just me and you today, buddy. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's just us. Uh, I'm not bad, thank you. You, did you enjoy your stag, do? I did. I mean, I won't say any of the stories on here because I'm sure my <laughs> missus won't be happy if she hears what I went on over there. But yeah, brilliant. Um, really good place. Really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it to anyone, especially if you're on a stag deal. But uh, unfortunately, the past two weeks, apart from the Peter game, I'm back on a bit of a sour note, which we're going to speak about soon. But of course, guys, we are sponsored by Candy King and Six Yards Out. They are all on our link tree on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can check out our sponsors. Remember, our podcast charity shirt is designed by S66 Sportswear. You can follow them on Twitter as well. And we are in collaboration with Andy Mann's Club. We are going to speak about our shirts a little bit later on. So we'll leave that until the end of the podcast. So Ant, we'll jump straight into it. Obviously, we're speaking about the 2-0 defeat to Bruce's Baggies, as our title is rightly so. I mean, you, City's consistently inconsistent. We spoke about that before we came on air. For me, it's just the manner of sometimes how we're getting de- defeated, especially at home. You kind of, if you're watching it on the iFollow, you're at the MKM, you know if we concede early doors and with the, we haven't got the possession in the first opening quarter, you know it's probably going to be a long afternoon for Shotter Avaladze's Tigers and not at the races again. And it's just frustrating. I know Peterborough are the best team, but you see the highlights. Obviously, I was in Prague. I didn't go to Peterborough, but really good, really positive. I know you're playing a bit of a poor aside, but you've got to kick on in this league like we speak about so much. And just you can't afford against a team like West Brom. I know the struggle. I know they haven't won since January the 22nd, I think, but writing on the wall. Obviously, Brooksy coming back to the KC for the first time. Just a very poor game again from the Tigers. It was, and I think the most frustrating thing about it was, is like you say, they were in such poor form. The, the way we set up more or less to kind of play for a draw in a sense was confusing because, you know, I think if you add in, I think a lot of the frustrations come from the fact that when Schotter was first hired, there was the quote that was, I'd rather lose 4-3 than draw 0-0. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the time that we've had Schotter, we've not really seen that approach to games. Um, the Swansea game, the first half of the Swansea game, was very good, but he'd only been here two days, so it's kind of like probably a follow-on from the form under McCann kind of thing. It was the same system, same formation, same players, and he probably didn't change much. So, um, but from that point, we've we've kind of just tried to grind out games and and try and win like a single point here and there. I mean, 
you know, away at Sheffield United and QPR, fair enough. You know, you're going to be under the cost quite a bit, the, the good sides in the top six. But when you're at home against a side that's not won in like 13 games or something, you don't want to be seeing your team set up ne- uh, negatively. You want to see them have a go. And I think West Brom were there for the taking. And especially at home when you've played four in a row at the MKM and not scored in those four games, I'm <clears> losing <throat> them as well, obviously. Um, it's you, when you try to encourage fans to come back to attend home matches, it's, it's, it's not good watching, is it? You, you, you want to, we've got a lot of attack. I mean, I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter saying that we don't have um, the quality attacking wise to to be playing that way. But I disagree because I think you look back at the the good run we had under McCann, where um, you know we were beating teams like Blackburn and Bournemouth. Um, you know, Keen Lewis Potter, Ryan Longman on their day are absolute nightmares for defenders. Mm-hmm. Tom Eaves is in in a in a front two. I think you can't do a lone striker in my opinion, but. As part of like a front two, Tom Eves and his hold-up ability can also be an absolute pain for defenders and he can bring other players into the game. And we just don't seem to be playing to our strengths at the minute. And it's, I think that's why there's such frustration because, you know, we, we know what we can do, but we're not seeing it. No, I mean, the teams lined up, we'll start with the baggies. West Brom lined up 3-5-2. It was Sam Johnson in goal, the back three of Clark, Bartley and Ajayi. Connor Townsend, obviously former target with Alex Moller, Jake Livermore um, and Gardner Hickman and Fairlong in midfield. And up front, we had Carlon Grant, who scored the double, and Callum Robinson. The Tigers lined up with a 3-4-2-1 setup. It was unchanged from Peterborough. Ingram in goal, Alfie Jones, McLaughlin and Greaves. Regan Slater, Richie Smallwood, Greg Doherty, Brandon Fleming, George Honeyman, Kale, P and Tyler Smith up front and I mean you know, there's been a lot of points about the game obviously we've got a lot of keyboard warriors every club does and sometimes we've been guilty of doing it as well emotions get the best of us but with that back three with Clark Bartley and Ajayi three big centre-backs was Tyler Smith who's used to just darting through more of a not a target man as such. Like you mentioned there with the two up front with Tom Eaves, I think as much as I've been his critic and I've stated that on the podcast, it'd have been a perfect game for him to come up against them. A bit like what they've got off the bench with Andy Carroll, a bit of a target man, just bomb it up front. But the way the Tigers are playing at the minute, it's pretty hopeless when we get to McLaughlin Greaves or Alfie Jones just booting it up top. Tyler Smith is not going to win against these three established centre-backs, especially Bartley and Clark, who've played over 60, 70 games in the top flight combat. Band. It's it just for me with the setup was all wrong from the start, and you was you're playing you know Regan Slater as a wing back as well. It's just West Brom are really steady side, and play, doing stuff like that just shows maybe other lads is a bit of an experience in this division, and it's starting to show. Sometimes I'm not saying he's not the answer, and you know it's very early days in this city regime under Adrian Illichar, but I think he got a few things wrong, and he needs to put his hand up there. I mean, on on the last, I mean. It's, it's, it's hard because you can kind of understand why the team was unchanged because we, yeah. we just beaten Peterborough 3-0. So, like, in terms of uh, changing the lineup, if we'd have seen, you know, four, three or four changes to that starting lineup, you'd think, what the hell is he doing? You know, you don't change your winning team. We always used to say that to McCann when he used to switch it up all the time. But um, if, if you're not going to switch it up, then you have to play to the strengths of the players that you've got on the pitch. And I really don't think that the three... The, 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 the three at the back is definitely the best system for this squad. But the way that Avaladzi does it, doesn't doesn't get the best out of our main players because he plays um Honeyman just sort of behind the striker but more wide and we mm. we don't see his influence as much and if we 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 know from watching every game this season and, and majority of last season if Honeyman is either having a bad game or doesn't play then we don't create chances and we don't win games he is absolutely key to all the attacking that we do so isolating him in out in a, in a more wide position to me is just already sacrificing your main attacking outlet which means that we don't get that link up from defence to midfield mm-hmm. to attack to do the build-up play that we want to do, which then leaves us to, you know, passing it around the back three and then lumping it long. And like we say, Tyler Smith up front's not going to win them balls. He's not going to hold it up. Um, he's going to want to get in behind because that's the kind of striker he is. So we're already setting ourselves up to fail by, you know, inadvertently getting rid of your own... Uh, we, we, we've done West Brom a favour by putting Honeyman out the game because you don't see the best out of him like you do in the middle. And it's, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Because like we say, we beat Peterborough 3-0 with that team. So he, he had every right to believe in the players that he had on the pitch in the system. But, you know, when you compare the likes of Peterborough and then West Brom and, you, you know, Regan Slater did okay against Peterborough in the wing-back position. But against West Brom, he was, you know, I don't think I saw him go over the halfway line, which isn't his fault. You know, they were West Brom sort of kept us penned in for, especially the vast majority of the first half. But it's just... 
we, we've got variation and we've got a lot of players that can play in these positions and we just don't seem to be able to crack um, sort of like our strongest 11. I know injuries have had a, a, a big play, big part to play recently and um, we've probably not seen our strongest 11, but it's just all the constant tinkering, isn't it? I mean, we, mm. we, we always have a different 11, players playing in different positions everywhere. And I think if you asked, uh, say, you've got a group of 100 City fans and ask them to write down what they would ha- consider our strongest 11, and let give give them free form formation and everything. Every single one would probably be different, and that's the problem that I think Avaladzi's got. Yeah, definitely. And like we've already mentioned, it's early doors. He's finding his best team. He's finding his system. He's with a new coaching staff, a new language. You've got to you've got to take that into appreciation, aren't you? But I think the main thing for City at the minute is they're not starting as if they're confident. The biggest issue for me before Grant's goal, which was a brilliant low ball from Alex Moa, is. The way we can't string two or three passes together. I like the way we try and play out the back sometimes, especially with Greaves and McLaughlin, but they'll probably admit, especially Jacob Greaves, didn't have his best game in black and amber that he'll probably ever had. But you've just got to be a bit more direct on the ball. I think we're a bit, I wouldn't say lazy, because I don't think that's the right word, but sometimes just a bit lethargic and it takes maybe a missed opportunity or a bit of a half chance for West Brom for us to get into the game. And you can't afford to do that against the side like that, because you look at the nearly scored after a few minutes, Connor Townsend, former City player was playing obviously opposite Regan Slater in the wing back row. I thought he had a really good game against his former side, but he had a few chances. And if City weren't careful, it's it could have been two or three after 15 20 minutes. And again, you've just got to start a little bit stronger because at this moment in time, yeah, we're still 13 points above the drop zone, but in this championship division, you can see that can change pretty rapidly. And we've just got to be a little bit more clinical from the off as soon as that starting whistle goes. And that's what I think we're lacking at the moment. Yeah, I think it's that you, you can see the style of player that we're trying to play, and you could see it also under McCann as well. Like, th- there's a clear aim as to what he wants the squad to do and, and what he's asking the players to do. It's just like you say that the 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 actual execution of it doesn't seem to to click, and I don't know whether that is because of the rotation of the squad and different players and partnerships being sort of you know in the air from that you know constantly playing against next to somebody different each week, but. We, we we're not quick enough to to get the ball from the back three into the middle and then up the top. We, mm-hmm. We're too we're too um, happy to to put it into the midfield and then give it straight back to the defenders. And that's what the opposition want you to do. If you're going to try and play out from the back, they're going to press you high to force you to do that. They don't want you. They want you to hit it long because you know that's what you don't want them to do. So it's you know we're playing into the opposition's hands essentially every every single time and and. It's it's the most common tweet you'll see from City fans during or after a game where we're sick of seeing us lump the ball up top to just give them the ball straight back. Like you, you want to see us have position possession, but meaningful possession, not across the back three where we're eventually going to lump it long. We need to be able to 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 link up and play triangles through the middle and and get the wide play. I think it, probably saying that. We've I think the wide players in in you know like Keane Lewis Potter or Honeyman whoever he plays out the right hand side. Um, need to come deeper. Um, I think we we leave them up front uh, mm. and sort of give them a freedom to stay up there a bit, and then that probably leads to you know the midfielders being um, outrun and and uh, you know marked out the game, and then that leads us to hitting it long. So when you look at the better teams that play this short, snappy football, all the players come deep and then they attack as a unit, and I don't think we do that, and it'll probably take quite a bit of discipline to get them to do that, and whether or not. Shotter gets the players necessary to do that in summer is obviously we have to wait and see, but um, there there is a clear disjointed sort of cohesion amongst the Mm. team where we can't get the ball from A to B properly, so we just get rid of it and it doesn't work for us. Yeah, I'm just reading a few of the tweets. Obviously, you put it on earlier on, on our To Hull and Back page about how else everybody rating shots a start. A lot of people are just saying the same things as us. It's very hit and miss. Sometimes it's brilliant. Sometimes it looks diabolical. Some people aren't still sure. They agree that it's probably not his team at this moment in time, even though we have signed four or five players before the January transfer window shut. But I think the main hope for me at this moment in time is, let's be honest, like I've always said, when I first started coming on this podcast, as bad as the results are at the minute, and yeah, sometimes it's a bit hit and miss. If we can grind it out, we've got what? Is it 10 games left? Is it 10 games? Is it? Yeah. Uh, so we've got about, about 10, 10 or so there. games left. We're 13 points above relegation zone. A mirror, you know, you'd really 
presume that the Tigers are still going to be in the championship. I'm kind of giving Shotter Avaladze the benefit of the doubt to wait until we get to the summer window. Tank Tankesler, Asian Ilakai, Van der Veen, and obviously the manager Shotter Avaladze, they can build around this side. They've gone the same, they're going to spend big, the same, they want the attacking threat. I know he wants to play a style of play, but at this moment in time, when he comes and promises that he's going to do this, these things about playing attacking, changing the style of play, and it stays very similar, it is very easy to go and slag a coach off. It's easy for me and you to do it on the podcast. It's easy to type it on Twitter. You can do it within a second. That seems to be a problem on social media. But what a really disappointing thing for me is just how drab the atmosphere has been as well. And I know you made the argument that it's the performances on the pitch, but you go back to that Swansea game. I mean, I, you know, I had tears in my eyes when people, when everyone was bouncing, everyone singing stand-up, if you're all saying, it seemed like, God, the people are going to come back and that's going to take time as well. Rome wasn't built in a day, like I mentioned the other week, and it's going to take time, fans, for coming back, obviously, until the memberships go down a little bit more at the end of this season. But for me, I'd just like to see the atmosphere and a bit more entertainment off the pitch at the moment. I think the change is done now, the takeover's done, but the honeymoon period certainly certainly seems to be over. And I think we've got to generate a bit more atmosphere off the pitch as well, because if we concede that early goal, yeah, it was poor, yeah, it was bad, but it turns into a bit of a library at the MKM at the moment. And I think that doesn't help as well. Yeah, I mean, players always say they respond to, you know, mm. the enthusiasm from the fans and the atmosphere and that. So if the atmosphere is flat, then, you know it's more than likely that the performance will be flat, but you've also got to look at it from a fan's perspective. You know, these people, you know, the cost of living's going up at the minute, um, mm -hmm. inflation's going up and people are worrying about, you know, how much they're going to be end up spending on their energy bills and things like that. We mentioned this to Baz on the last episode about how difficult it's going to be to encourage fans to actually come back long-term next season. But, um, you know, if people are, are going to spend the money to sit in the stadium freezing and I'm, you're supposed to obviously support your, your team through thick and thin. You, you should be at the stadium chanting as much as you do. But we all know if you're there in the MK and it's absolutely freezing and City putting in one of the most drab fest after performances you'll ever see, it's tough to get that atmosphere going. And it's understandably so. Um, you know, you, you respond to the effort of the players. And if the effort of the players isn't up to scratch, then, you know, the fans think, well, what, what what's the point? And... It's fickle saying it's daft saying that, and I'm yeah. not saying that, but obviously it's true, and we, we will never escape that. But yeah, I mean, I think it probably wouldn't have been as bad if you know we were actually playing with this attacking intent that they first said they'd come in. I think maybe a few fans feel a bit betrayed because they're like, oh, you know, maybe a few would have liked to have seen Grant keep the job till the end of the season, and we've we've instead gambled on this new manager who's promised us you know entertainment because uh, that's what the fans want to see kind of thing and then we've essentially not changed really if, if anything we've i think i mentioned it on a tweet myself to somebody earlier <clears throat> we've gone sideways not forwards we've mm. literally just you know we're doing the same thing but with a different name at the top and it's people were hoping that obviously the new the new era the new takeover everything that this was going to be the start of better days when in reality the results are no better at, at all and you know the realistic nature of the table is yes we're very very clear but if you take them point deductions out of Reading and Derby we're right in the mix for mm. relegation so you know we've not had a great season by any stretch and we've been saved kind of you know by the financial mismanagement of other teams and we've kind of got away from it and uh, got away with it sorry and I think summer will be a huge opportunity to really kick on because I think next season with the money that the plan uh, they're promising to spend if we do manage to get some top quality players in and actually have, you know, a mid-table slash playoff push next season, we will see improved um, atmosphere. And I, I imagine that the ticket prices will go down quite substantially because it is, I believe, Ajin, when he when he says he wants the fans back, you know, the, the, that seems to be their their prime aim is that they are well aware that the attendance is falling is a big issue and, and they want fans back. They need fans back, don't they, for the team. So, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see in summer, and, and hopefully next season will be better. We're kind of just limping over the line this season, aren't we? Yeah. That's the worry. It's, it's sort of a, 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 a damp squid for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think mentioning on the attacking threat, the, the last 15 minutes of the first half especially, I thought we played some really tardy bit of football. I think that move when KLP should have scored and then when Greaves passed it to Fleming to KLP, which would have been a trio of Hull lads setting up a brilliant goal. Tyler Smith probably should have scored as well. We mentioned, you know, Lewis Potter should have scored as well. And that's the thing. 
you take them chances before half time, it can be a totally different ball game going into the second period. But City just started probably as the set off in the first half with a very poor, probably a lazy one. Uh, Greaves, uh, guilty of a very lazy tackle. He did get beaten by his man. He tackled down um, Gardner Hickman, who I thought was really dangerous on the day. You know, when they've got a double barreled name, they stand out a lot more. But I thought <laughs> he was really good in the centre of um, centre of the field. And probably when you concede a penalty after 48 minutes after being on top for the past 15 of the first half, that was probably the game realistically. And after that, even with the changes, Saeed Amanesh coming on, Eves, Longman, City can the game kind of went away, didn't it, after that um, penalty kick? Yeah, it did. I mean, I went on holiday recently with my family and, and I was talking to my uncles about um, City at the minute because we were watching um, the QPR game on the telly. And the problem with City is this season, if we go 1-0 up, you quite fancy us to actually hold on to that lead and win. But if we go 1-0 down, you can't see us bringing it back. No. And I think that's that is probably the biggest problem that we've had. Our Achilles heel this season is finishing chances. We are so wasteful when it comes to putting the ball in the back of the net. If we're going to be a side that doesn't create as many chances per game as other teams, then you have to make sure that the chances you do get, you take advantage of. And uh, I know we, I think there's an over-reliance on KLP because the vast majority of chances fall to him. Obviously, he's our top scorer, but when he's going to have the most opportunities, he's also going to miss the most shots. And I think, you know... When you're playing in a, in, a, in a formation that isolates a player like Tyler Smith, whose strength is, you know, feeding off somebody else, getting in behind and, and asking questions that way, stretching defences. When he's by himself, he can't do that. And like you say, in the, towards the end of the first half, we were putting some dangerous balls into the box. He likes to do like a, a near post dart like he did against Peterborough. That's his style when he's in the box. Mm. Um, but then when we were putting decent balls in in the second half, that would have been perfect for Tyler Smith. He wasn't on the pitch. <laughs> so it's, you know, as, as a striker, he must be incredibly frustrated. But yeah. to me, I just, he needs, to, whoever plays alongside Eves, it just means that Eves has to start for me. If we're going to play the way that we're currently playing, Eves has to be on the pitch alongside Force, Sidemanesh, Smith, yeah. whoever ends up starting. Because we can't hold, Force has shown, I think, in, in, in my opinion anyways, that, he can't hold the ball up as a lone striker. That's no. not his style. He needs somebody to feed off. Uh, Smith is the same. And then Syed Manesh, I think, can pretty much play anywhere along the front three. So we've not seen enough of him to judge. But Eves, I think, is crucial to this team. Since January, you know, like he won player of the month for us. Um, he's been absolutely crucial in, in you know, bringing other players, giving uh, the wing-backs the freedom to attack because he comes deeper and holds the ball up and brings them into the game. He's absolutely crucial. And if we're going to keep putting these balls into the box, He's perfect to be there, the aerial threat, but he's not on the pitch, obviously. And like you say, when we made the changes, which <clears throat> in my opinion were too late again, which is another yeah. criticism for me for Shotter, I think he waits too long um, to change the game. Um, you know, there's been a, a, at least two or three times where we've been <clears throat> very poor in the first half and half time changes were needed. Mm. And we've come out and played the exact same, uh, not changed the system, not changed uh, any personnel. And we sort of tried to just sort of grind our way back into it and then we the game's already gone we're leaving ourselves with too much to do in too little time so like you say inexperience of the english league possibly um he's, he will be learning every game he's probably coming to a very good situation um with derby and reading's points deductions because it's given him a bit of breathing room to actually learn properly because you know there's always the possibility that he's just trying different things to find yeah. out what our best strengths are ready for next season but at the moment, like you say, as a fan, it's it's it's, it's a bit tedious to watch, isn't it? You don't want to see that every week, but here we are. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I totally agree, mate. I mean, Tom Eves is, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, and he's seen it all at Hull City. He's very much my mate. I mean, some weeks I absolutely love him. Some weeks I think, how oh, is he a football player? But you know what? <laughs> You've got to look and think. I mean, my dad rarely goes to games, and he came to the Preston game with me a few weeks back, and he's never seen Tom Eves play for City Live. And he went, God, you, you don't realise how much work he puts in as well. He's yeah. press. You don't realise how much he presses the defenders and his contract runs out in the you know in a few months at the end of this season. I mean, 
you've got to look at it from a realistic point. If the owners are going to spend big on the attackers, if they're looking at maybe signing Saida Manesh, there's been talks, aren't there, about Saida Manesh, Baxter, um, Deshaun Bernard, obviously all signing permanently in the summer. But for me, you're looking at probably effectiveness. It depends on cost as well. But there'll be an argument to maybe keep Eves on another year. It, it, it depends on the, it all depends on the style of play shots or other lads he wants to play. And at this moment in time, like you said, Anne, I agree. I think City look a lot better side up front when he's on, but definitely not when he's a lone striker. You need either Force, Saida Manesh, Tyler Smith, whoever it may be. I'm hoping we get to see Alain Saida Manesh a lot more because, let's face it, he hasn't been the best start to his whole City career. We need to see him on the pitch. But he's, he has got a lot of options. But like you stated earlier, there's not a lot of games left and he's just trying to find out his best team, which can ultimately result in performances like that against West Brom, which for us fans can be pretty sticky and a bit tedious and a bit of a damp squid. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's one of these, isn't it? Because, I mean, like, obviously, even these players that are coming back from injury, they've got to get their match sharpness back. So, mm. you know, we threw all these attackers on in the second half, expecting them to change the game, and they've not played a game of football in ages. So, yeah. realistically, were they going to make a difference? Probably not. But it's we've we've made so many signings, like, sort of in midfield, and, and so many good performers, um, which sounds weird, because I think, personally, midfield's been our weakest point in the season in terms, not, not in terms of performances, but in terms of the way that, they, that there's been a, uh, no link between the back three and the front two. We can't seem to get the ball through the midfield quick enough. But, you know, Smallwood's been very good this season, probably player of the season contender. Regan Slater's come in and looked very comfortable in midfield. Mm. You've got Greg Doherty, who we know is, is is a fantastic midfielder. George Honeyman should really be in the middle. So then it's, who do you play in the middle? Because, you, you know, you've got plenty of options there. Um, and then when it comes to, when you actually find an established midfield, who's playing in the wing-back position, because I personally think that Keane Lewis Potter's better out wide, uh, but then you've got Brandon Fleming playing there, playing brilliantly. So, you know, it's it's weird because we're actually playing quite poorly, but we've got players that are playing well, so it's hard to put your finger on what's actually going wrong. It's just, you know, putting the ball in the back of the net and, and creating chances, because before the Peterborough game, I think I said on an episode, we'd had something like seven shots on target in a month. So, you know, that's quite poor. For the second level of English football, you need to be having more shots on target than that. Yeah. Come up. yeah, you know, you, or else you are asking for trouble. And I think I think realistically we're safe. I'm not I'm not looking no. at the bottom three places thinking we're gonna get dragged into that. I mean, you know, it's a it's a massive ask for those teams to blow us to win a lot of games consecutively. I know Cardiff have kind of done that at the minute, but they're not they're not in the bottom three, so it's not really an issue to us. But it's like you say, it's it's just a tough watch, and you can understand the frustration, but you can also understand it from Avalad's point of view and it's, it's a weird situation and, and I don't think one that a lot of fans have experienced at, at City in, in recent years, especially that, you know, we're kind of just in limbo, aren't we? <laughs> just, you know, we could end the season now and, it, and it, it, it wouldn't really be any different, but we're just kind of, every game's a friendly, isn't it, from now to the end of the season, but you want to see some drive and desire and, and something to build on next season. Yeah, it's a real cliche, isn't it? Because if you'd, you'd snap your someone's hand off for this position, probably at the beginning of the season, a takeover is yeah. probably safe. You know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Obviously, there's still a lot of football to be played. But when it does get to these stages and you're a bit drab and, you know, people do get on the backs. I think for the midfield, people bang on about hopefully going big for attackers. But like you said, I think we've got an abundance of midfielders. But let's be having it right. You've probably got, you've got Monke, Andy Cannon, who've been injured, haven't been selected. They've kind of not hit the heights. You've got Tom Huddleston, who at first it was absolutely brilliant. But then you look realistically, is he probably passed it? I can't imagine him staying at City at the end of this season. So that'll free up a lot on the wage bill. You're going to have Doherty still, Honeyman, hopefully. And, you, you know, we want a new deal for him. But for me, I'd love us to see... a sign of quality midfielder someone who's been there done that who, you know might not be in his prime prime because that's the position we're in but a bit of money given towards a team and you can sign players who have got a bit of experience and you look at who even I don't even know who to compare it to you look at a Joe Allen at Stoke or something and I know he doesn't set the heights and I'm not saying he's the best player in the world but someone who's got a bit more of experience at the minute because I think that's what we're lacking we've got a lot of youngsters and we just need a, a leader in that middle of the park to say to Greaves, Bernard, McLaughlin, you know, let's play it this way. Let's play in our triangles. Let's calm down. Let's not be so direct and hoofing it up top to get the runners. KLP, Longman, you don't realise probably what a good centre mid, an old fashioned centre midfielder can do. For me, that's where I think City need to strengthen as much as they do up top. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like 
we could really, really do with sort of a deep line playmaker, yeah. Tom Huddleston. But um, you can tell me a new player football manager. <laughs> yeah, I'll get all the terms out for you. Yeah. Bit, a bit but, of an anchor um, or a Tresco star, <laughs> <laughs> defensive midfielder. But we need we need a, a, a sort of a, a hybrid of Richie Smallwood and Tom Huddleston that can is more than comfortable of playing. You know, breaking up the play. Yeah. But can also string a couple of can can dictate the tempo of the game from the middle and, and spray a couple of long diags. It's because I think as much as I love Smallwood and how good he's been and how crucial he is to the team at the minute, yeah. he only really makes like a three yard pass, and then you know that's why we end up getting it back to defenders. He's not going to play these long uh, searching balls in behind for the likes of Keane Lewis Potter to run onto. But then if you drop Smallwood, you haven't got the necessary bite in middle, and we and we and we get absolutely overrun because we haven't got you know the metal to compete. So it's it's really frustrating. So yeah, you know, realistically, a midfielder who can help us control games properly uh, and, and sort of dictate the tempo of how we're playing, help us keep the ball comfortably. Um, I think personally, the club are going to look at trying to phase Tom Eves out of the out of the uh, out of Hull City because I just don't think realistically he's in favour by the looks of it from, and I don't think he has been for a while, which is harsh because, like we say, he's been one of our best players since the turn of the year. Uh, and he probably deserves another year. But, you know, I think we'll wait and see. I think they're going to try and look at shifting him out. Uh, I mean, Baz mentioned it on the last episode that it sounds like they want to reward um, the players who have got us to this position. So the ones who got us up last season, who have helped establish us this season, you know, they'll probably offer another year and say, thanks for what you've done. You know, we'll, we'll let you have another year. But if you want to find somewhere else in summer, feel free to do so. Mm -hmm. So the, the offer will probably be there for him. But, you know, if, if if a League One club comes in and says, you know, we want to play you every week, he'll probably go there, won't he? Yeah. So, Especially um, what, 28, 29 now he's in early. Yeah, he's coming up to his 30s, yeah. isn't he? So he needs security now, doesn't he? And, and probably get back to scoring ways, which I wouldn't begrudge him of because I'd, like, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him go somewhere and score goals again because I've spoke to um, a Gillingham fan, uh, Jill's, in the, uh, Jill's in the Blood, he's called on Twitter. He like Tom Eaves is heralded as an as an absolute legend amongst yeah. Gillingham fans. He scored so many goals for them, and it's like he says he, he's mystified as to why you know he's, he's he's been so hated amongst the city fan base for so long because all they remember of him is being brilliant. But it's like I said that they played him in in a, in a front two, mm. which we don't do. And then as soon as we started playing him in a front two, we saw the best out of him, and then he got injured and he's out the team again. So. He's going to be a, a casualty, I think, of the the changing era and the, and the unlucky timing of an injury. We'll probably see him go, but um, like you say, realistically, if you're going to spend serious money, it would need to be in in, in the midfield area to go alongside Honeyman and uh, and an actual goal scorer. Because I mean, we're sat here saying, you know, we don't score we, we don't score enough goals, and it's the obvious um, problem that we've had this season. Our goal difference is actually quite good. So mm -hmm. you say we've got a very, very young and inexperienced back three. Well, back five now, if you include Fleming in, in the wing-back position as well. Um, in terms of playing at championship level, we've not conceded that many goals. We don't tend to get battered. You know, I don't think we've conceded more than three this season, have we? Um, if we actually had a, a striker who was on, say, 10-plus goals, we'd probably be safely in mid-table. That's all we've missed is a, is, a, is a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net. And I think we've been very unlucky in, with injuries and, and when we've hit runs of form, missing key players kind of thing. So maybe we're being a bit harsh and we might we might actually have a decent season next season. Got to have the optimism, aren't you? You have. I really hope so. I mean, looking at the... That's what you said. We have scored goals, but we haven't got an out-and-out -out goal scorer as such. I mean, KLP's on nine. You've got Honeyman on five. Longman, four. Eves and Wilkes on three. And Tyler Smith and you know Josh McGuinness on two, still with Smallwood, Force and Cannon on one. That's the thing. You haven't got just out, you know, I mean, you look at Mitrovic, so he should be the money he's on and the experience he's got. I mean, what's he on already? 30, something like that. And like you say, yeah, he scored more goals than our club. <laughs> exactly. So that's the realisation. We can score goals. We're just missing probably an out-and-out -out goal scorer. But like I said, we will leave that to Tan Kessler, Asian Ilikai and Shotter Avaladze. As obviously we have just spoke about Hull City going down 2-0 at home to Steve Bruce's baggies. Carlon Grant with a goal in the 17th minute and a penalty in the 48th. We move on. This Saturday we travel to the West Midlands. We go to St Andrews to take on Birmingham City. 
a massive, massive game, mate. I mean, we mentioned a bit of dead rubber and all stuff like that, but you look at the table, if City beat Birmingham, the Blues on Saturday, we're probably we're going to go above them. We've got a better goal difference. They're three points above us, but it is, it's going to be a really interesting tie because... I don't know if you've seen some of the protests that might be happening at St Andrews on oh, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I shared it. But, but I think um, I think Anne Summers or one at Paulson Cocktail might be having a <laughs> really big sale in West in the West Midlands this weekend. <laughs> I think um, I think a Birmingham fan told me that it was um, it's it's not true. Um, apparently, an Aston Villa fan made it and shared it um, amongst the uh, made a fake Birmingham fan page and shared it about hoping right. that the Birmingham fans would do it and make themselves look silly. So. I think maybe that might be a bit of uh, inter-club banter that <laughs> that actually made the rounds. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see. Well, we but we'll see. But yeah, yeah massive game. You know, both played thirty-six. Obviously, the tags are on thirty-seven points. Birmingham are on forty, but we've got a better goal difference. We're on minus eleven. They're on fourteen. So a win would take the tigers possibly up to eighteenth position and. I think with 10 games, you know, 10, 8 to 10 games for all teams now to go, you probably look at City and think, yeah, you're comfortable. Let's be realistic, hopefully. But probably a win or two, you're probably cementing your place now. And that's what I think we need to do because if we can string a few more run, a good run together, end the season on a high, and it'll give that security for Shotter, maybe a bit more money from Asian, and probably give teams and players looking at us going, you know what, yeah, they've, they've come in, they've come into the back end of this year, they've signed, they're going to go big, and it might give a bit more optimism for players to maybe want to come play for us if you finish a little bit higher. I know money's always an option with football players, but you're just hoping now we can finish a bit positive, get the fans back, get a bit more season tickets sold for next year, and a big win at St Andrews on Saturday would be absolutely huge. Oh yeah, it would be. I mean, mm. it's like you say, fans at the minute want to see um, what next season could have in store, and a game against Birmingham um, could be a perfect way to do that, and, and considering we're better away from home this season, um, is the perfect venue to do. I think we've actually got quite a decent record at St Andrews, haven't we? So mm. it could be a, a decent day for us, and like you say, there's there's a few players I think need to need to show some um, responsibility in terms of you know keeping their performance levels consistent, uh, trying to you know say to the owner, look, I want to be in the starting eleven next season because you know I don't I think every single player in that squad should be thinking my my position might be up for grabs here, uh, and you know the likes of I mean you look at Sean McLaughlin and Brandon Fleming who have come in and just sort of you know ironed out and made that place their own. Um, that's the kind of commitment you want to see from every single player at the minute. And we're not, uh, we're only seeing, you know, our star performers are having, you know, a couple of iffy games and now every now and again. Um, but yeah, in, in, it's, I, I do think that two wins will keep realistically keep us in the division. You know, you're looking at maybe six, seven, eight points to, to, to really hammer down the, the, the championship position next season. Cause the bottom mm. three, I'll just leave them with too much to do. Um, but, you know, it's we don't want to just be doing that realistically because I think in the position that we're in, we should really be thinking, why can't we put a couple of you know a win streak together now to the end of the yeah. season? Because um, bringing that feel good factor in, it like you say, is going to have a, a huge play in, in, in luring players to Hull City. Because as much as we hate to admit it, we're not a very um, desirable club to play for. So you know. Adjin's influence himself. He's he's got quite a job on his hands. You know, sit down with players and really convince them to to buy into the the the, the plan he's got for the club going forward. So if we're going to try and lure a, a higher standard of footballer here, then you've got to match that by showing ambition on the pitch. So it's all well and good sitting in the you know meeting a player and saying you know you're going to join us next season. We're going to try and push for the top six, and then that player goes, mm, I might be interested actually. Watches the Birmingham game, watches us sit back for ninety minutes and lose one mm. nil. He's going to be thinking. That doesn't look like a team that wants to play for the top six. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. you've got to go hand in hand with your ambition. Your ambition has to be shown, and then when you show that ambition on the pitch and in the transfer market, the fans also show the same ambition, and it all comes hand in hand. So, you know, it's if you're going to start putting a run together now, now is the perfect time to do it, and we we should really be looking at doing it, uh, especially since there's in the so many fans sort of you know criticizing the way that we were promised attacking football and not seeing it. Maybe you should turn around and just go. Do you know what? Yeah. We're realistically safe. Let's just go for every game and see what this team's got. And that's the thing. I think if you're coming up against the Birmingham City side, you know, they come off a really good victory away, beating Bristol City at Ashton Gate 2-1 at the weekend. For me, I think the key points, probably um, stopping their attacking threat. They've got Chong, who's on loan from Man U, um, the Dutch kid. He bagged a goal at weekend. Lyle Taylor, who's 
been there and done it for so many teams in the championship, you know, really good second tier striker, Gary Gardner, the captain in the middle of the park. They play 5 3 2, so they'll play very similar to City. Obviously, managed by Lee Bowie, who's a very old style manager as well. They're probably going to play direct. It's probably going to be two teams who, if they go for it, it could be a really entertaining game. But if both mm. try and hold back and it's a bit like kick tennis, bombing it up and down like a rugby union match, yeah. it could be a very boring watch. I think for the Tigers, like we've mentioned, like we have done at Bournemouth away, go for it. You've got to go for it in these games. You've got to put attacking threat on. You've got to have a few shots. If it, Even if it doesn't go in, get a shot on target, build that confidence because you can sneak a few early goals against this Birmingham side. I mean, you look at the games, they've, they've drew to Stoke, they beat Reading, but they've been co um, beaten comfortably on numerous occasions at St Andrews as well. And like you mentioned, they're a team that, like us a few months ago, not happy with the ownership, wanting a change. And we've seen that so many times at the NKM. A few early goals from the away side, and it turns pretty sour. So I'm just hoping we can come out, fire from the races early doors, and you never know what can happen. We're very chalk and cheese out with this whole City side. And like you mentioned mm -hmm. there, for players who maybe might be interested in coming at the back end of this year for next season, if we can finish on a real positive, grind out some away victories, entertain at home, it can really change the foreseeable future and probably the 2022-2023 season, the, you know, the outcomes of it, really. Yeah, because... I've, I, I always I always like us to see, I mean, even with how, because realistically with us being so clear of the bottom three at the moment, which, you know, a couple, because you look back at our win streaks, we tend we tend to win like three or four in a row and, and then, then we'll lose. lose like mm. four or five in a row. And then that's that's sort of been our rhythm this season. So we, we, we tend to play in patches, uh, which I think needs to be cut out. We need to start uh, being able to control games. And like you say, if we're not gonna, if we're not gonna win the game, at least come out of a game looking like we've actually tried to win it. You know, entertain the fans, give them something to say. Do you know what? At the end of the game, we played well there. We were unlucky, rather than, God, that was an hard watch. You know, that that that's the that's the mentality that the fan base wants to get out of now because we've had it for so long of being sick watching City. Sometimes we would just want to enjoy watching us again. So, it, like. I mean, realistically, I think he's got enough freedom to just go into every game and just say, you know, express yourselves. You've got freedom to go and do whatever you want yeah, to do. Go, um, yeah. go at them. You've got no pressure, no fear. You've got my full backing. Um, the fans will love it. Because, you know, realistically, all the fans want to see is 100% every game, don't they? Hmm. You you don't mind losing if you can say that every single player on that pitch gave the role. If they've lost because of quality or because of a bit of bad luck, you know, fair play. You want to see 100% effort, and every now and again, you know, cutting, you know, cut out a couple of individual errors. I think, uh, you know, Greavesy especially, he's had quite a learning curve this season. I think he he gave a silly pe penalty away against Blackpool as well, didn't he? Which yeah. gave the game away. And you know, players like this are still learning. You know, we're forgetting that we've got a very young team that are, that are going through the trials and tribulations of the championship. So, you know, maybe take that pressure off them and just say, look, realistically, you're probably safe. Go out there, enjoy yourself, play well, enjoy, uh, let the fans enjoy themselves. You know, go over and see them at the end of the game, get that togetherness back. Then, if the season finishes, you're looking forward to the start of next season, which yeah. is the main thing that we need to do. Is we need to be starting next season with optimism because that's been so long since we've been able to do that. I mean, maybe realistically at the beginning of the league one season, a few of us thought we should be going straight back up. But I mean, there was me who got caught in the whirlpool of negativity. I thought we might do a double, uh, a back-to-back -back relegation. I thought because <laughs> you know how we were in the championship. Yeah. I thought you know had to get out of that losing mentality. So um, to start a season with optimism, I think that is just what everybody's missing. And like you say, to to go to a, a place like St Andrews, a team in a similar situation to us, um, or what we was in, uh, similar to us in the in the table. Um, you can go at them. And I think that's just what the fans want to see. From now to the end of the season, just take every game as a free hit and just go at it and show show Adjun what you can do. How would you line up? I mean, obviously, we, did, we saw the team last time. It was unchanged. Would you maybe think Bernard playing as a wing-back for Slater? Would you mix it up in the middle? Marcus Force seems like he should be coming back, maybe on the interchange bench. Do you start Saeed Manesh? If you were sure to have a lad, who are you hoping to see um, at Birmingham on Saturday? Yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I do think we need to bring a few changes, but I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, and I wouldn't be surprised if we changed five or six. That's the way we're going at the minute. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Because you don't know what system shotters wanting to use i mean it's yeah. looking like he prefers the 4-3-3 three, three. um but if he plays the three at the back he plays sort of a system that doesn't really suit the in the squad you know we're, we're a bit too wide with it 
Um, uh, is Ryan Longman fit? He is, isn't he? Because personally, yeah. I'd like to see us go back to the the three five two that saw us win them With games. KLP and Longman as the wing backs. KLP Longman on, yeah. on uh, as wing backs. Force and Eves up top together. Yeah. Um, with. You know, any combination in the midfield, really. You could have, you know, Honeyman in the number 10 with Smallwood and Doherty or Smallwood Slayers. Yeah, Slater, the Doherty, back, yeah. Combos. It all works, yeah. Uh, and then the back three is a tough one because I'm not really... I think Sean McLaughlin is the only player, really, that should be nailed on to start every game because he's mm. sort of been faultless at the minute. But uh, Jacob Greaves, with him being left-footed on the left side, makes sense. And then either Bernard or Alfie Jones. I wouldn't, mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Alfie Jones in the middle again because I think he's better there. Yeah. Um, but then who do you drop for him? So it's, you know, one of them things. Mm. Um, I think Shotter prefers Alfie Jones from the looks of it, though. I think he's sort of, he's benched Bernard, hasn't he, for the last yeah. few. So he might start Jones and, or might, you know, fancy a change and put Bernard in. But, you know, these these are, these are trivial changes that don't really make a difference because they're just as good as each other. But as long as we get that that sort of security in the middle again and, and, and get Honeyman back to his best and, in an area where he can be creative and, and, and a real problem stretching defences and then get Tom Eves back up top where he can hold the ball up and really create issues for the defence, then the rest of it sort of just fits in place. It doesn't matter who you play. Like you can put Fleming out wide and KLP alongside him. It, these these are all the freedom of, you know, the depth of the squad that we've got at the minute, which is quite good, but mm. we're just not seeing the best of them. And I don't know if he's going to play that way. I'd like to see him do. I think personally he's going to go back to a back four with us losing so convincingly. Um, it's one of them things in it. I think he's always looking for an excuse to go back. If they win yeah. with the three at the back, he'll keep it, you know, because he has to kind of thing. But if we lose, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to have to go back to this back. one then. Yeah, yeah. And then he might play Bernard as the right back. So, mm. Mm, but yeah, that'd be my team. I'd have yeah. Kelly, Longman, wing backs. Yeah, I would. Doherty, Smallwood midfield, Eves and Force up top with the usual back three. Yeah. Not a bad situation to be in, mate, is it, when you can change your formation and your system and stuff. Let's just hope we can cement one. I'm going to go, let's be positive, 2-1 City, um, Eves and Honeyman. Mm, what about you? Okay. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 1-1 one, one draw. I think I think we'll be 1-0 up and I think they'll peg us back towards the end and it'll be frustrating. Um, with a... Marcus Force goal. Oh, let's hope. Mm. Let's, let's hope we even pick up a point, mate, because I think that'll be positive. Or just let's get there. Get back on the, you know, not losing. Get this inconsistency out of us. And, you know, like we said, finish this season on a high after a really good transition period. You know, we've got to be realistic. You'd have snapped someone's hand. I thought your new owner, new manager this time last year. Everyone was calling for it and hopefully safe in the championship. Yeah. So and that's like it's effective, isn't it? Because, like, yeah. you've got to, you've got to be realistic. Season, yeah. And we take 21st place. And, and you know we're 19th so we're actually better than what we expect i know we've had a, an outside yeah. hand like we say with deductions and stuff but um we're, we're realistically we're staying up so you know everything that Take we're complaining it where you can get it in this division buddy yeah probably yeah. a bit unnecessary complaining isn't it <laughs> yeah, it really is. But no, it's been great to speak to you again. And obviously, you've been before I even came on the podcast, you've been in collaboration with S66 Sportswear about the shirts. There's been a few people asking about when it's been delivered. Have you got an update? What did you want to tell us today about everything that's going on with them before we wrap up? Yeah, so um, obviously, so with them being a because the way that these shirts were made, um, it was a we didn't have the outlay to buy loads of shirts, keep them stocked, and then instantly, you know, deliver uh, distribute them to everybody. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so what we had to do is we had to work off a pre-order basis. So, you know, we'd get a certain number of orders, then they would get processed to be delivered. And then, you know, the next set of orders would become a next order kind of thing. And they'd wait for a certain number to do it again. Mm. Um, so, but what, what's happened is, is they've chosen to combine the first like two sets together and send them all at the same time. So obviously the people who first ordered have been waiting a little bit longer, but the second lot will, it'll be just on time. So it should be with you by the end of next week is what I've been told. The 99% sure. Uh, they did send us a teaser picture, which I posted out on the um, mm. uh, social media account. It looks good. Um, they said that it's passed the quality check. So the shirt is is definitely good quality. So obviously everybody should be... I'm looking forward to wearing it myself. I'm, I'm dying to get one. I've, every mm. time I hear the post, uh, the letterbox go, I'm hoping it's one of mine. But yeah, um, yeah so they should be with us by the end of next week. Mm. Um, obviously, if, if everybody likes these shirts and would like us to do something else to sort of, you know, contribute to charity that way as well, 
then we have got a few designs that we have been looking at for other things and we will probably ask we'll do polls and see what everybody wants kind of thing you know because we don't want to release something you don't want uh, but we'll keep you informed and that keep you in the loop and like we say with £7.50 of every shirt sale going straight to charity you know what you're doing you know it's it's you're realistically spending £20 on a shirt and then donating to charity on top of it yeah. um, and you know we're coming up to I think £200 raised for Andy's Man Club you know you know pr- providing um safe spaces uh you know p- places where men could realistically go and chat about the mental health because we all know we we're not very likely to turn around and say to someone that we're struggling but these no. places can help you do that so to be able to contribute to them in that sense is is brilliant and thanks to s66 for letting us do that um you know because they could easily have wanted that seven pound fifty for themselves but they've allowed us to take it to charity so thanks to them for doing that and uh thanks to everyone who's bought one and like you say the the link to buy one is in our link tree every time so if you didn't know that we'd released it somehow missed it and, and want one yourself or just want to check it out go on the link tree and find it but like i say they should be with us all by the end of next week so I, hopefully i'll be wearing mine on the next episode we'll see <laughs> yeah definitely absolutely brilliant calls and some of the concepts that we've seen guys you know well hopefully if they become popular we'll show you some but they're absolutely beautiful especially i've got one that i've got my eye on which you know i'm but thank you so much to everyone who listens obviously subscribe to our newsletter check out all sponsors candy king and six yards out follow us on instagram twitter facebook follow me and everybody who's involved let's spread the word of this podcast podcast sorry and hopefully we can finish 2022 in the same manner as Hull City on the pitch. We will see you at Saturday at St Andrews. I've been Joe with Anne. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been the To Hull and Back podcast. Up the Tigers. See you soon, Anne. Cheers, mate. Thank you. are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.